And top of the morning, we're, we've got sunny skies and blue waters. It's a cold, crisp day, though. And we're going to enjoy a picnic on the park today. And we're going to... And that's the end of the first inning. We're going to get to some ads here. We're going to talk about... <laughs> we're going to talk about... Uh, I don't even know. A big League Chew. Big League Chew. And we're not, we're, the f- chew is what you do. Hot dogs and Miller Lite. Yeah. Did they, <laughs> they have Miller Lite back then? I probably don't know. I don't know. Hello everyone, welcome to Exploring Middle Earth. Uh, today we got a big one. Um, Hello everyone, we're talking about <laughs> Norse mythology. Yes, and, and other, others. Other, I was going to say, uh, yeah, other mythology too. Um, and you probably have guessed, not me going to talk about it, because there's somebody yeah. else on this podcast who's better at that than me. Oh. Uh, you guys ready for who, who it is? Wait, okay, yeah I am. It's the man with one nose and ten toes and thinks about Tolkien wherever he goes. It's our Tolkien expert, Grant. Did you come up with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought about it a few, little bit ago. And I that thought was good. Say that. Thank <laughs> the you. The man with one nose, ten toes, and talks about Tolkien wherever he goes. Yeah. Well, I said thinks, but talks. Uh, yeah. I yeah, do. It's just how it is. I do both of those. But yeah, my name's Jay. I forgot to introduce myself. I hi, think. Jay. Yeah. Hi. My yeah. name's Jay. Tolkien. Uh. Jay Tolkien. Jay Tolkin. <laughs> yes, Di- I, I direct mar- direct descendant of J.R.R. Well, no, 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 no. I married into the Tolkien family. Oh, wait. So you took <laughs> the last name Tolkien? I took the last okay, name Tolkien. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I see. No, my last name's not Tolkien, but uh, I'm not the Tolkien expert, but there's Grant, who is the Tolkien expert. Thank you. And I guess North, North, <laughs> Norse, would you call yourself an expert or a... Um, or a I would call myself not an expert, but I enjoy it. Yes, an sure. enjoyer. Yeah, and <laughs> you're an enjoyer. <laughs> an average Norse mythology mm-hmm. enjoyer. An avid enjoyer. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, Grant's going to be talking about Tolkien's influences for Norse mythology today. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, a little bit of Norse. Oh yeah, um, sorry. I other mean, mythology too. As a whole, it's mostly Germanic, but I'm kind of splitting into two between. Uh, Anglo-Saxon Germanic and Norse Germanic, and then also a little bit of Finnish, which is not Germanic, but okay, nerd, close. Once you and take a, it away, and a little bit of other stuff too. Yeah. Well, well anyways, we got a lot of stuff <laughs> to cover today, so we're gonna talk quick, and we're gonna talk fast, and we're gonna talk not at all clear. So giddy up, and buckle up, and saddle up, and do all the things you need to get up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, don't. I mean, maybe you get up to this podcast. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe you get down to this podcast. I yeah. don't know. Anyways, so uh, first off, I'm going to talk about um, uh, Anglo-Saxon yes. uh, inspiration. Yes. Yes. So Tolkien, uh, what we talked about last episode, what Jay talked about last episode, yes. is all of the classic literature and novels that Tolkien was um, or drew inspiration from for his novels, not just Lord of the Rings, but from yeah. other novels as well. And uh, so today we're going to talk about... Um, the inspiration that Tolkien drew from mythology of the world. And Tolkien was, um, like me, except better. <laughs> yes. He enjoyed uh, reading and dissecting. You're, pr- you're probably better than him in some ways. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. If I, I am, that would... I would feel so special if I was so special. Um, you had a you have a better beard than him. I don't think you ever had a beard. I don't think he did either. Yeah, Thank you, so man. <laughs> you grow hair better. Yeah, than him. man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was wasn't he like balding? 
Gosh. I guess. He's I'm just not, an old guy. Yeah, I'm not well, balding. Not all the time. He's like Benjamin <laughs> he Button. He's an old guy the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about uh, Germanic Anglo-Saxon mythology. Um, if you don't know, the Anglo-Saxons were the uh, ancestors of the modern uh, English people. Um, England is actually... Ooh, England uh, is my city. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> England is actually a, a, a derivation from the word England. So it's oh. basically the land of the Angles, Angles, which is the people. England, England. That's like yeah. people who say Italian instead of Italian. Right. They just People just actually said England instead of England. England. England, England is my shitty. <laughs> um, um, okay. Anyways, uh, so the Anglo-Saxons uh, were Germanic tribes that were from mainland Europe around the Netherlands and Denmark, and they migrated across the English Channel or the North Sea, or whatever you'd like to call it, to England and uh, settled there, along with the uh, the Utes, or some people pronounce it Jutes, but it's Jutes. Utes. It's a soft J. How's Utes. J-U-E-T-S? J-U-T-E-S. J-U-T-E-S. Yeah. Juts. Jutes. That's what I'm going to... Yeah. Juts. Yeah, some people say Jutes, but it's Utes. Utes. Um... <clears throat> Anyway, so those are the Anglo-Saxons. Uh, mm-hmm. That's who they are. Um, so they are Germanic tribes. They're closely related to the Norse, um, the Nor- old Norse people. So that's why it is technically all Germanic mythology, but I'm kind of splitting in two because there's yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, so first I want to talk about uh, Beowulf. Beowulf was a Germanic uh, legend, and it's uh, it wasn't known who the author was. Jay talked about this a little bit. Yes. In, in the last episode, but he left most of it for me. Um, the author goes by unknown. Yes. That's why. Um, so in Beowulf, there's um, Beowulf slays the legendary monster Grendel mm. and then also Grendel's mother. Grendel's mom. Um, and then he also goes on in the second part of the story, he also goes on to uh, slay a dragon, um, which is similar to sl- the slaying of Smaug or the slaying of Glaurung. Um, yes. <clears throat> but that's not what I want to talk about. Okay, good. I wanted to talk about a certain passage in Beowulf in the Old English transcript. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm, I'm just it's okay. clearing it's okay. my throat. Just getting ready. It's okay. Um, let's see. Where, where'd it go? Where'd it go? <sighs> Jay? Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm just nervous. Where did the passage go? I'm going to find it. Don't worry. The passage. Passage of time is what's going on right now. While he's looking for the oh, I, I know. Okay, I was on the wrong link. Mm. That's it. Got your links mixed up. Got my links mixed up. All right, let me scroll down a little bit and find it. Okay. I will find it. Okay. Okay. So the passage was, well, this is just the, um, it's just like a phrase, basically. Um, but it's, Eotenas und Ilf und Orkneas, which is Old wow. English for, uh, ogres or giants, elves, and devil corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Tolkien used all three of those words in his uh, in his legendarium. So Eotenas, I'll talk about right now. Um, it's a, a term that referred to uh, giants or ogres, and it, in Middle English it was uh, called Etens. So Eotenas and Etens. Um, you can find the word Etten in the Etten Moors oh, uh, yeah. in his map. And How's it spelled? E-T-T-E-N. Oh, I was going to say maybe it's Ents, but that's different. It's like, it's in the north by Angmar. 
the Etten Moors. Yeah. And then also in, um, also in uh, Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis also has something on the map. I think it's called like uh, Etten's Moor or something like that. It's 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 pretty much the same almost as, uh, I don't know. What, what does it say up on the map right there by Angmar? Angmar. Is Angmar east or west? Uh, it's it's northwest. It's like right under the Misty Mountains at the top. It uh, says Angmar of old. Yeah. And then right under it is like, like a, a little chain of mountains. Yeah, the Etnmores. The Etnmores. The Etnmores. Yeah. It's called, in in the Chronicles of Narnia, I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it's something like Etnsmore or something like that. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, so sorry. it's it's something that was used, I mean, C.S. Lewis and uh, Tolkien drew a lot of inspiration from each other too. Yes, they loved Bounced each other. Ideas off Maybe each other. I don't know if they. I think they liked each other. Um, yeah. Who's uh, to say? I don't know. So um, they probably both kind of got that idea. And in C.S. Lewis's uh, world too, there was um, the Ettons referred to giants as well, or in some cases, two-headed giants. So mm-hmm. the um, New York Ettons. Yeah, yeah. So they were yeah. both they were both uh, derived from the same word. Um, so anyway, so that was Middle English was Ettons, and it referred to giants or ogres and was linked to the Old Norse word Jotuns. Jotuns. Yeah, so Eotenus or Jotuns, Ettons, they all kind of sound a little bit the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Ends with tins. And the, the Norse Jotuns were the enemies of the gods. You hear a lot about them. I think um, Loki was a frost giant. He mm-hmm. was a Jotun. Oh, yeah, we should... You should preface when you're talking about Loki and Thor and Odin, it's not the Marvel characters. Yeah, the Marvel characters were based off of Norse yeah. mythology, but they're not the same. So like don't the, imagine yeah, that. Not the same origins. Get or that out of your clear yeah. your mind right now. Um and Tolkien used the term Ettins um for uh not giants. Well, he did a little bit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But he, he actually used another word for Ettins um for his fabled walking trees. Another and word for Ettins was Ents. Oh, sorry. So, I, yeah. I didn't mean to no, you got say it right before you That's fine. That's fine. Dude, that's fine. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. So, that's where um, Tolkien got the name Ent from. Is from the um, uh, from the old English word or Anglo-Saxon uh, word, Eotenus. Eotenus. And then Middle English Ettins. And Etins. then also Ents. Nice. So, that's what he used. And then also both giants and trolls and ogres, or mostly just trolls, are mentioned in Tolkien's works as well. Um, and then also the word ilfa, which it means elves. Um, obviously elves are a part of Tolkien's world. Yeah. And then yeah, or- Orkneas, Orkneas, which, um, was also spelled or, uh, I think Ornakeas, something like that. There's two different spellings and that meant devil corpses. And the first part of the word is orc, obviously. And so he used that as yeah. inspiration for his orcs where, um, the orcs were basically, uh, tortured forms of elves and then they kind of bred and they kind of look mutilated I guess so they're devil corpses they're mm-hmm. always evil so that's something you know something yeah. from uh, something cool something from Beowulf yeah. so that's that's most of what I want to talk about Beowulf is he took a lot of the like creatures and stuff and a lot of words from Beowulf because he also transcribed uh, and translated Beowulf into English Yes. Which we were talking about last time. Regular English. Yeah. Regular English, <laughs> modern English. Yeah. Um, so he did that as well. So I wonder when the, when the next, because there's old English, then middle English, then modern. When will modern go out and there'll be a new English? 
Oh, I don't know the ge- how long. I mean, it, we're probably getting close to it right now because there's a lot of like slang and like yeah. ra- random new terms coming up, so it might just yeah. be evolving. Yeah. Dang. Maybe Mod- somebody's gonna have to translate. Maybe you'll translate it into postmodern English. Oh, I would hate post-modern that. Postmodern English, because yeah, <laughs> I feel like it'd be a lot of abbreviations. Yeah. You know, like text talk. Mm-hmm. I feel like is that, that what postmodern English is? I f- it's just I feel, text. Yeah, probably. Dang. Yeah. Uh. So anyways, Beowulf was like TTYL. That's like the, like <laughs> you know, the No Fear Shakespeare, whatever it is. Yeah. They uh, translate it into like simple English. Yeah. That's like postmodern English because you don't really translate Shakespeare. But yeah. So yeah, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe one, one day. One day, dude. Um, another thing from, uh, well, this is from the Anglo-Saxons. There was a, a kingdom of the Anglo-Saxons um, during the period of the... Uh, what was it called? The uh, uh, I don't know what it was called. Okay. But anyways, it was a period of time when England was actually seven different kingdoms. It has something to do with the Latin word for seven. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, <laughs> so one of the kingdoms was Mercia. And um, Mercia was in the um, the west of England, yeah. And uh, it was a, I think it was a, it was occupied by Angles and a little bit of Saxons, I'm pretty sure. But um, they, uh, so it was called Mercia, and they were, um, they had a cavalry, a pretty significant cavalry. Mm-hmm. So they were horse people, right? Yeah. And uh, there was also, yeah, the, the shorthand word uh, for Mercia was Mark, which Ooh. was used to describe Rohan and the Rohiric language as the Mark. So like, you know, the riders of the Mark. And so basically the writers of Rohan were based on the kingdom of, or Rohan itself was based on the kingdom of Mercia because they had a cavalry horse people. It was mostly like, there's like a lot of plains and stuff like that and hills. And so, uh, Jay, I believe you have a, yes, I brought a passage passage today. Something something to describe uh, Rohan and the Mark. So this is from Lord of the Rings, the great river, um, fellowship of the ring that the first one, um, this is Aragorn talking to Sam and Frodo about where they are. Um, and you can probably tell by the title it's the Great Rivers, but what they are. Yeah. But um so this so Aragorn is talking about the riders of Rohan. Um and it says, You are now looking southwest across the northern pl- or across the north plains of the R- rider mark, Rohan, the land of the horse lords. Ere long we shall come to the mouth of the limelight that runs down from Fanghorn to join the Great River. That is the north boundary of Rohan, and of old all that lay between Limlight and the White Mountains belonged to the Rohirrim. It is a rich and pleasant land, and its grass has no rival, but in, the evil, in these evil days folk do not dwell by the river or ride often in its shores. Anduin is wide, yet the orcs can shoot the arrows far across the stream, and of late it is said that they have dared to cross the water and raid the herds of the studs of Rohan. Yeah, so... Uh, Tolkien, as you can tell, uh, took a lot of inspiration from Mercia when he created Rohan um, and the Riders of the Mark and stuff like that and the whole cavalry idea, um, which is pretty cool. And also, um, the language of the Rohirrim, which was called Rohiric, um, is based off of Old English. It basically is Old English. I don't really think there's any differences. And that's what the Anglo-Saxons of uh, Mercia spoke was Old Mm -hmm. English, you know, so... There's a lot of connections there. And then he also, of course, used a lot of um, creatures and legends, the slain of monsters uh, from 
Beowulf as well. Grendel yeah. and the I forgot what the dragon's name is. I don't really think it has a name. Anyways. Well, yeah, because Eowyn, uh, in the movies when she sings the funeral song for her brother, or is it cousin, her cousin? Her cousin, yeah. Um, That's Old English. Yeah. Yep. For real Old English. For realsies, though. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm moving on to another branch of Germanic mythology, which is Old Norse mythology. Now, this is probably a little more familiar uh, to people than Germanic mythology. Um, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities. Um, for example, the uh, the Norse god Odin, a lot of people would recognize, you know, I mean, especially if you watch Marvel, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Odin's the father of Thor. And he's like the all father of the gods and stuff like that. Um, the Germanic god who is like directly linked to Odin. His name is Woden. Woden. Yeah. That's so like cool. Woden. Woden. Yeah. So Woden, man. Basically, I mean there's like a few differences in the the uh pantheons and the mythology and stuff like that and the way the stories are told, but a lot of it is cuz they're both Germanic tribes, the Norse and the Anglo-Saxons. So a lot of the stuff is very similar cuz they came from the same people at one point. So that's just a little something to tell you guys so you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks I, for the I watched a lot of YouTube videos yes. on this. <laughs> yes, that's good. At you one know. point, so, anyway, so um, one of the legends of Norse mythology that I want to talk about, uh, especially a lot about, is the Volsunga saga. Volsunga. Uh, some of you might recognize. It. I think we talked about it a little bit beforehand in a uh, past episode. Yeah, you brought it, and we read out of it yeah, with the yeah. dwarf names. Yes. Yes. That was uh, part of the poetic Edda, the Volsunga saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um. Uh, so there's a few things in there. There's a dragon that we could talk about. There's uh, cursed rings. There's broken swords. Are these options I get to choose? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, so what I'll talk about first is the cursed ring. Ooh. And so in the Volsunga saga, there was um uh, a story of uh, and I think it's pronounced Andvaranaut, and basically. In Old Norse, it meant Envari's gift, and Envari was a dwarf, and he he had this, uh, like, it was an enchanted ring. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, with this ring, he was able to establish hordes of gold and treasure. And that's pretty much, like, if you think about it, that's, like, the dwarven rings of power in the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. They were, um, it was said that the dwarven rings of power were, like, the base of each of the dwarf, dwarven hordes or something like that. Um so yeah, that was Envarnout, the uh, Envari's gift, which was a ring. And uh, so part of the story of that is um, Loki, the god of mischief, uh, he stole it from Envari because he wanted it, you know, for personal gain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the dwarf Envari cursed it and all who came into later possession of it so that no one could actually fully enjoy its uh, enchantment of all this gold and treasure and stuff. Yeah. Um, and par- I'm not going to get really into detail and I'm not really going to yeah, go please don't. linear with the story because there's a lot of details yeah. and stuff like that and it will get confusing mm-hmm. fast. Basically, just read the book. Yeah. Translate just, it just into English. Just do the work. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Loki, um, at one point, he sees an otter in a river um, swimming about and I forget the reason, but he just kills it. For some reason, because he's the I god of he, mischief. Yeah, I think he wanted its like fur or something like yeah. that, and he's the god of mischief. So you know, whatever. He does what he does. And uh, uh, so it was, the otter was actually a person. He was a dwarf, 
and uh, he who could transform into the shape of an otter, oh, a shapeshifter, and his name was, get this, Bjorn Oter. Oh, Oter, <laughs> which meant otter in Old uh, Norse. Yeah. So Oter, it, it's all connected. Oter. Um, I like. So that. Loki was like, "Dang, bro, I just killed a, a dwarf." So, like, that was that's my B. And oh. so, <laughs> so he oh, goes. He was, he was sad about it. Uh, yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not really, but he. Um, he was just trying to save face. Yeah. The. The dwarf Oter, his father was the dwarf king Hridmar. And so Loki gave the cursed ring. He didn't know it was cursed, but uh, he gave Envaranat to the dwarf king Hridmar as kind of like reparations for killing his son. Sorry I killed your son. Yeah, and he's like, like, this will give you a bunch of like gold and stuff. So (laughs) hopefully that makes up for it. (laughs) Yeah. And then the dwarf is like, I guess. Um, And that can be linked uh, to... In the Silmarillion, uh, specifically the Children of Hurin, when uh, Turin Turambar uh, meets the petty dwarves in the uh, the Vales of Narag, about the uh, what was the hill called? Amanruth, I Amanruth. think it was called. Yeah. Um, and so the petty dwarves, there's only like three of them living in this hill at this point because they were all pretty much hunted to extinction, and there were no like females left. So it was just these three: it was father and two sons. And basically, um, uh, Turin was the leader of a uh, group of outlaws uh and they were in the area um around the hill around the plains and um they saw these three dwarves kind of on the edge of these woods gathering like uh roots and stuff and they had like these bags on their back and so they wanted to figure out uh who they were and stuff so they went to capture them but then s- they fled cuz they felt like they were being hunted and then one of the outlaws of Turin's band let an arrow fly and it ended up hitting one and then the old dwarf kind of uh, lagged behind because he was old and mm-hmm. couldn't run as fast. Yeah. And so they captured him, and his name was Meme, the Meme. Petty Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, Meme the Petty Dwarf. Uh, it's M-I-M, but it's got, like, the I has, like, a accent mark on it. Yeah. So it's Meme. Mm-hmm. Um, He's the first meme. Yeah, the first meme. <laughs> the first Lord of the Rings meme. Dang, that's awesome. Um, and then, so they captured him, and then... Uh, he he was like oh please like please just let me go and then Torin was like well lead us back to where you live so that we may have a place to rest because i think it was like winter at that point Mm -hmm. so they just needed some shelter and um like lead us back to your shelter so we can stay there um and then we'll let you go (laughs) but it's like they're basically keeping him hostage (laughs) yeah well they'll um, let him go but it'll be them leaving because he's already at home yeah pretty much yeah um so anyways, so they there's this whole thing, and then uh, eventually the dwarf meme leads him back to his halls in the hill of Emanruth. But he figures out from his other son who fled before him that uh, one of his sons, uh, Keem, I'm pretty Keem. sure it was. Meme and Keem. It was Keem or the other one. I can't remember the other one's name. Um, anyways, so one of them died because the person who uh, shot the arrow actually hit one of the dwarves mm-hmm. and uh the dwarf died and tour and tour and bar was uh um he felt like it was his fault even though he wasn't the one who let the arrow fly but he was like oh i'm so like i'm so sorry this shouldn't have happened like on my watch and you were being nice enough to lead us back to your shelter and if we were just a little bit faster you could have saved your son um and then he was like if i ever come by um a wealth of gold then i will repay you uh for ev- everything you want in mm-hmm. reparations for your son. So that's kind of like Loki giving the, the golden ring to yeah. uh, King Hridmar, the Dwarven King, um, in reparations for killing his son. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a little link. Um, 
I didn't actually write that down, but I just thought of it when that's I was talking about great. it. So that's, that's off great. the dome, man. <laughs> off the dome. Off the lid. Um, which is probably why it took so long. Took so long. So long. Because I didn't have anything <laughs> written down for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, yeah, so Loki gives the ring to King Hrydmar for reparations after killing his son Oter, and then Oter has a brother, Fafnir. Um, and then Fafnir uh, desired this ring that was given to his father, Hrydmar, because obviously it was cursed, so anyone who really saw it or heard of it wanted it for themselves, and it kind of took over them. And so Fafnir killed his own father, and he took the ring Damn. for himself. But because of Fafnir's evil deeds um, and kind of his lust for the, the cursed ring, he uh, turns into a dragon, and then he retreats into this like kind of cavern or his lair, and he sits on this... Uh, treasure hoard and guards the uh, the ring and the treasure. Sounds familiar. And that sounds very familiar very. because uh, similarly, Smeagol uh, was motivated by the lust for the one ring after his cousin Deagle found it in the Great River mm-hmm. and he kills his cousin and after a while of having the ring and figuring out what it could do, turn him invisible and he could sneak up on people and eavesdrop um, he started to be evil at heart and then uh, he eventually uh, retreats into a cavern deep in the Misty Mountains, and he kind of turns into a monster of sorts, you know, Gollum. And uh, he's kind of doomed to rot in this cavern and guard his cursed ring. Yeah. So that's uh, very similar yes. to uh, Fafnir and his ring. Yeah. And I, uh, I think you have a little passage for us. Yeah, I have, I have two, kind of. Uh, you know, I'm going to start one and stop it and skip a few lines ahead and then start another one. One, two, skip a few, 99, 100. Yeah, that's, like that's that. my philosophy for this, yeah. p- this passage. That's good. So let me set this up. Smeagol and Deagle are out fishing. And then Deagle, or, yeah, Deagle. They left a sign on their front doorstep that said, Gone Fishing. Gone Fishing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Deagle uh, gets a big fish, but it pulls him down into the water and then he sees a sh- something shimmering, glowing, shining. So he reaches his hand down and grabs it. <coughs> so that's, that's where I'm picking up. Then he came spluttering with weeds in his hair and a handful of mud and he swam to the bank. And behold, when he washed, when he washed the mud away, there in his hand lay a beautiful golden ring and it shone and glittered in the sun. So his heart was glad. But Smeagol had been watching him from behind a tree and as Deagle gloated over the ring, Smeagol became slowly came softly up behind and then they talk a little about uh Smeagol's like give it to me and Deagle's like no <laughs> um no I'm good so then Smeagol kills Deagle and then it says no one ever found out what had become of Deagle he was murdered far from home and his body was cunningly hidden but Smeagol returned alone and he found that none of his family could see him when he was wearing the ring He's very pleased with his discovery, and he concealed it, and he used it to find out secrets, and he put his knowledge to crooked and malicious uses. He became sharp-eyed and keen-eared for all that was hurtful. The ring had given him power according to its stature. It is not to be wondered at that he became very unpopular and was shunned when visible by all his relations. They kicked him, and they kicked him, and he bit their feet. He took to thieving and going about muttering to himself and gurgling in his throat. So they called him Gollum and cursed him and told him to go far away. And his grandmother, desiring peace, expelled him from the family and it turned out and turned him out of her hole. So then from there he goes into the mountain and yeah. gets all ooey gooey gross. Ooey gooey and slimy. Ooey gooey gross. Don't take my ring. That's what he says. Slimy little villain. Don't take my ring. Bro. Don't take my ring. Don't take my ring. I'm ooey gooey, dude. Uh, don't <laughs> touch me, man. I'm ooey gooey. I'm oozing slime, yeah. dude. 
oozing slime all the time. I bet dude. he was oozing slime all the time because he ate all he ate was like fish. Yeah, and they, fish oil. Yeah, fish he must oil. Have had, fish oil is good for you, I think. I think like not, take, not in high amounts, though. Yeah. No, you don't want to OD on fish oil. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you can get mercury poison if, yeah. you, have, uh, if you have enough if of it. If you that. OD on fish oil, you say, what the carp? What the carp? What the carp? Like, what the crap? What the crap, yeah. yeah what the, what what the, the crap, crap, dude? What the carp, dude? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, that was really dumb. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, that was the story of kind of Envarna, and it's kind of linked to the One Ring. Yeah. You know, undeniably. 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 Yeah. Try to deny it. Uh, can't do it. Can't. No, it's impossible. Um, and another artifact mentioned in the Volsunga saga, and uh, pretty much right after the story of uh, Envarnat, is the sword Gram. Gram. It's spelled G-R-A-M, not like G-R-A-H-A-M. A-M. Like, like, <laughs> like short like for grandma. Graham cracker. Graham. But yeah, Graham it's like, cracker. It's a Graham. Like, Graham. Yeah, short for Grammy. Grandma. Gramps. Grandma. Grandma. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, so it was in Old Norse, it meant wrath. So it was pretty yeah. cool, I guess. Um, yeah, grandmas can be mean sometimes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandma who's listening now, you're not mean at all. <laughs> so don't worry about it. But they can get grumpy. Sometimes so. they can, but not my yeah. grandma. No. I don't no, think no. your grandma either. I don't no, know. Not at all. No. Not our grandmas. No. <laughs> um, so the, the story of Graham and kind of the origin of when it comes into the Volsunga saga um, is. Uh, the character that comes into play first is Sigmund and uh, he was at a feast for his sister's wedding and in this um, kind of like a uh, mead hall or feasting hall that they have in Old Norse um, history and stuff like that the Vikings did uh, there's this kind of big uh, oak tree I think it was an oak tree that grew in the middle of uh, the hall which is kind of interesting so it's kind of like a tree house <laughs> yeah basically um, but uh Jeez, I just lost myself. Every okay. house is a tree house because it's all made out of wood for the most part. Most for houses, most part, so every house yeah. is a tree house. So it's basically like a big tree house. Anyway, so he was at uh, he was at his uh, sister's wedding and they're feasting, and then all of a sudden, um, an old old man mm-hmm. comes into the hall, just kind of mysteriously. Old man, take a look at my life. <laughs> And he he pulls out a sword from his cloak, and then he just stabs it into the middle of the tree. Mm. And then he says something like, uh, "Who whoever can pull this sword from the tree what will the find heck? that he's never wielded a sword better than this one." That's like uh, King Arthur, yeah. Excalibur. Yep. That's like a lot like King that's Arthur. That's a yeah. stone, but that's a stone, a dome. rolling stone. A just rolling kidding. Stone. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, so uh, everyone in the hall tries, even the king, who's uh. Um, son is marrying uh, Sigmund's sister. Um, he tries pulling it, but he can't pull it. And then eventually Sigmund, he, he tries his hand at it. Um, you know, it can't hurt. Mm-hmm. Might as well. Wait, what and, the hey? And uh, eventually he's the one who, who pulls the sword from the tree. And he's like, dang, dude, that was sick. Did anyone else see that? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yo, guys, look at me. <laughs> um, and then there's like a whole kind of like uh, – side story of him using the sword uh successfully like in battles and he would kill his like enemies with it and he would kill like rival kings and stuff like that so basically he became famous for using this sword it's a useful sword yeah and uh um he made a lot of enemies using the sword as well Mm -hmm. and then um his very last battle uh I, i don't think i think he died in this battle but in his very last battle against one of the enemy kings i think his name was king uh 
I don't know how to pronounce his name. Lingvi or something like that. Lingvi. 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 Anyways, so in a battle against him, uh, before before he actually dies, um, Odin, who was the wise man or the old wise man who put the sword in the tree in the beginning, he comes into the middle of the battlefield and takes the sword from Sigmund's hand, the sword Graham, and he breaks it into two pieces. Mm. And you're like, dang, dude, you must be strong. Yeah. And so uh, the the pieces are found by uh, Sigmund's wife, and she keeps them, and she uh, she wants to keep them and give them to her son, her and Sigmund's son, Sigurd, so she keeps them. Um, and that's pretty much the end. And that's pretty <laughs> much how Sigmund... <laughs> that's pretty much that's the end. That's pretty much the end. No, and that's how Sigmund died, too, because he didn't have his legendary sword with him because Odin broke it in half because mm-hmm. he's like, oh, you're done with this. <laughs> yeah. Like, playtime's over. Um yeah, and then so anyway, so Sigmund's wife keeps the two shards uh, for her son Sigurd, and um, first of all, I do want to mention. Uh, I'll mention this in a second. But it would make okay. more sense if I did this in a bit. Okay. Um, after another part of the story. So anyways, so Sigurd, who is uh, Sigmund's son, he um, grows up, and uh, he becomes a man of great stature, and he becomes a warrior like his father. And his father was a very famous warrior, obviously, because of the sword Graham. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Sigurd is uh, there's a dwarf, uh, like blacksmith, basically. And his name is Regan. Regan. I mean, it's spelled R E G I N. I think it's pronounced Regan, but we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just say Regan because it's yeah, mm-hmm. sounds good. It's, <laughs> it works, man. Um, anyway, our podcast. We say so, what we want. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So he begins to teach Sigurd his trade of blacksmith and like weaponsmith and stuff like that. And um, um, after a while of teaching him, they, you know, they kind of talk as he's teaching them and stuff like that. Um, sh- shooting the, the crap. The carp. <laughs> shooting the carp. <laughs> shooting the carp, <laughs> if you will. Shooting, like shooting carp in a barrel. <laughs> yeah, shooting carp in a barrel. And uh, so Regan tells Sigurd of the dragon Fafnir. Whoa, oh, that's oh. where he comes into play. Oh, careful. Do you remember Fafnir? Fafnir, yeah. Yeah, okay. Fafnir. Um, so he tells Sigurd the story of Fafnir and of the cursed ring and Varanat. And uh, Regan asks if Sigurd could slay the dragon for him, which is kind of funny because he's like, so you know this dragon? Could you just kill him for me real yeah. quick? <laughs> but Sigurd is like, sure. He's like a, a pest control. Yeah. That's what it pretty much. Yeah, that's what it breaks down to. This is the very beginnings of pest control. Yeah. This is where the pest control seed was planted yes. in human history. And eventually pest control devolved from killing dragons and giants to killing flies and termites. Because they killed all the dragons and giants. Yeah. yeah there's no more. Yeah. yeah. But there's still a lot of like flies and termites and mosquitoes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, so that was the beginning of pest control. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so Sigurd is like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll kill the dragon, but can you make me a legendary sword to kill the dragon with? Mm-hmm. And Regan's like, always a catch, man. Regan's like, yeah, I, I guess I could do that. I am a weaponsmith after mm-hmm. all. So, um, but he makes a sword and he's like, here, try this out for size <laughs> bucko. And then Sigurd takes the sword and slams it on the anvil and it breaks in two. And he's like, not good enough. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, Regan makes another sword and this one's definitely, definitely better than the one he made before. And he's like, this one's going to work. And then, uh, Sigurd, like, this sword's too soft. Slams it. This <laughs> sword is just right. This sword is just <laughs> right. And Sigurd slams the sword again ag- against the anvil, and it breaks. 
And then after <sighs> after two failed attempts, Sigurd finally brings out the two halves that his mother gave him of the sword Graham. That was his father's. And uh, the dwarf Regan reforges it, which I don't know why he didn't do that in the first place. Yeah, He's like, he probably want to save it. Can you make me a sword? Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I do have this, like, the greatest sword, the of, all greatest sword of all time broken in half. Like, mm-hmm. he could have just said, reforge it, please. Wait, which one? Done. Which one was? What's the name of the sword? Graham. Graham. Is do you think Graham is stronger than Excalibur? Or are they equal? I think they're probably based on the same thing. So which one is stronger? I would say Graham. Graham. Yeah. Excalibur has a stronger name than Graham. Excalibur is a cool name. It's cooler than Graham, yeah. but Graham just <laughs> yeah. Graham is just like it's Graham. Yeah, it's it's it also does. just a name. Nobody's named Excalibur. Although if you are, that'd be sick. that'd be a sick name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Although if you are like if you do speak Old Norse, Graham means wrath, so that's mm-hmm. a pretty cool name though for a sword, wrath. I wonder if Excalibur means what that means because maybe it 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 probably is. It it's probably like I feel like it's Latin almost. It's definitely the same, uh, inspir or it came from the same place. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, so Regan forges the two halves of Graham together, and uh, Sigurd goes on to kill the dragon Fafnir with Graham. Um, and so that's a lot like uh, how Turin Turambar has his sword. Um, what's it called? Gorthang. And uh, Gorthang was originally a sword called Anglicel, um, which was a sword uh, that was uh, forged from, um, what was it? I think it was like a meteorite or something like that. It was like iron from a meteorite. Um, and so it was forged from iron from meteorite. And it was reforged in Doriath, um, and it was given to Beleg Kuthalian, which meant Beleg Strongbow. Mm-hmm. And Beleg was a companion of Turin when Turin lived in Doriath. And so it was uh, Beleg's sword, and when it was reforged, it was renamed Gorthang, which meant Iron of Death. Gorthang. Which, which is pretty cool. Iron of um, Death. And it was a black sword, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Which is what I imagine Graham to be, like probably mm-hmm. like a black sword. It was pretty sweet. Yeah. But anyway, so he he Gorthing is a reforged sword. It wasn't broken into or anything, but it was reforged. And then um uh Turin eventually he uses the black sword a lot and he becomes famous for it and he eventually at one point in his life he becomes known as the Mormagil, which means the black sword. And um uh he eventually uses that sword, Gorthang, to kill the dragon Glaurung, which is a lot like Sigurd using his sword Graham to kill Fafnir. Yes. So there's Big similarity right there. Um, and then also, uh, Turin kills himself with the sword. Uh, and there's a whole thing. I mean, he finds out he married his sister. Oh, yeah. We already went over this, <laughs> I think, in, and in he, the dragon. When he, when he finds out after the dragon is killed and the curse from the dragon is lifted, he finds out that it was his sister that he married and also impregnated. Whoopsies. Oh, oh no. Um, he, he was like, yo, dog. He's talking to a sword. He's like, yo, dog, you might kill me. And then he just, like, sets his sword on the ground and then kills himself. But then the sword breaks in half at that point. Wait, sets the sword on the ground and kill? Does he fall on it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It not, it's not, like, laying down <laughs> on the kidding. ground. It's, like, point up, you know? Yeah. Like, he probably, like, like uh, like uh put his, like, foot on the hill or something like that. And then, like, yeah. he just stabbed on. it in the ground the other way. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, so, uh, so there's that uh, uh, similarity. But there's also the – this is probably what – most people would think of when they hear that story is um, like, especially if you've never read the Silmarillion before is you'd probably think of the sword Narsil, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, uh, Elendil sword. Um, and then 
it breaks in half when, or not in half, it breaks into a bunch of like shards when Elendil is uh, uh, battling Sauron at the end of the Second Age in the, mm-hmm. the War of the Last Alliance. And Isildur takes the broken uh, hilt piece that still has part of the sword on it to cut off the one ring from Sauron's hand. And he takes the shards plus the hilt along with him and then it eventually gets carried back to uh what's it called rivendell Rivendell. and it's kept there because the sildor dies as we know wearing the one ring the orcs kill him well he's done he's not wearing it when he's killed well right he has it on him but yeah it falls off um but the shards are taken back by a few people who escaped the orc attack by the anduin and it's brought back to rivendell and there it is kept by a sildor's wife and it is kept for it is kept kind of like as a um like an artifact for the children and ancestor or descendants of Isildur. Mm-hmm. And eventually it makes its way into the hands of Aragorn, Aragorn. who is a direct Strider. descendant of Isildur. Mm-hmm. And um so that's the shards of Narsil and when the fellowship of the ring occurs when the whole like one ring is found and they need to go bring it to Mount Doom to be destroyed. Um, I can't remember. I mean, I should know this and I was having such a hard time without looking it up. What happens in the movie and what happens in the books? Because I know in one, one of them, um, the sword is reforged right away. Right, right after what? Right. So like when they're in Rivendell before Mm -hmm. they leave Rivendell to go on the quest, the sword Narsil is reforged in it into Anduril, and then mm-hmm. Aragorn has it with him. That's in the books. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I haven't looked it up because I didn't want to. All I remember in the movie is um, Aragorn I... looking at it at night, and uh, yeah, and Boromir Boromir's kind of, yeah. watching, like, or Boromir like drops he, it, yeah. and then he's like, "Let me put that back." Okay, oh, so nice. so in the movies, I'm pretty sure what it is is Arwen is thinking of Aragorn, and then she asked for. Narsil to be reforged as kind of like a sign of the coming of the king, mm-hmm. uh, the return of the king. <laughs> yeah, and she sends it. It's cute PG. Yeah, right? and, and she <laughs> sends it herself. She brings it with. Uh... Oh, I just realized what you got. Or <laughs> 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 what you said. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Um, so Arwen brings the sword that was reforged into Anduril and brings mm-hmm. it to Aragorn as kind of like a sign yeah. of the. Return of the, the return king. of the king, yeah. <laughs> so, the, so okay. the official lore is it's f- reforged right then and given to Aragorn to take yeah. on the yeah with with him on the fellowship. Yeah. So, in the books, uh, Narsil is reforged in Rivendell and it's given to Aragorn right there, and it's renamed Enduril, which means the flame of the West, and it and it shown the edges of it shown as if it was on fire. So what, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's sick, old. Um, and so that's what that's kind of like. It's a legendary sword that was broken in pieces after a battle. Uh, with you know Sauron, Sauron. and one was with with the king, and then uh, it was passed along to a son, or in this Aragorn's case, to descendants. But mm-hmm. it was a direct descendant, and then reforged into an even better sword, used to yes. kill. What does it kill you? Makes you stronger, dude. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Yeah. Um. And so, did I have a passage for that one? No, I didn't. Not about the no, sword, no. the sword. Um, but I do have a few more things for uh, Norse mythology, um, and I'll, this one will go over a little quicker because there's not as much to talk about. Okay. Um, so in the Poetic Edda, which also includes the Volsunga Saga, um, is a list of uh, like a bunch of like dwarf names and stuff like mm-hmm. that. 
and I've talked about this before, um, so I'm not going to go into a lot of details. I'm just going to yeah. mention it. It briefly. was like th- I think it was the first Hobbit deep dive episode when all the dwarves are introduced, either the yeah, first or the something second. like that. Yeah. Um, and so basically, it has like pretty much all the dwarf names plus other dwarf names that are mentioned in Lord of the Rings. So like all the Hobbit dwarf names and a few others, and then also Gandalf's name is in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where Gandalf's names come name comes from he doesn't have multiple he does have multiple yes. let me make this clear yes <laughs> you're the expert you have to he doesn't have right. mu- he doesn't have multiple names in the poetic edda yes. but he has multiple names in the lord of the rings yes um yeah yeah anyways and then also in norse mythology come the elves dwarves wizards giant eagles um giants and trolls yeah. and ants and stuff like that mm-hmm. so uh, tolkien got a lot of his and like, men and men yes <laughs> <laughs> and so tolkien got a lot of his uh like creatures and like uh different like um supernatural beings from norse mythology um and then one other big thing i do want to talk about is gandalf himself oh, and yes. odin there's a lot of connections between the two because odin was often seen as like a wizard or an old wise man in norse uh, mythology and he would often give heroes swords like Graham. Uh, or other magical objects to help them on their journeys. And Gandalf was very similar in the sense that he would help unlikely heroes on their journeys by giving them advice or using his magic to aid them. Kind of like how he gave, uh, or he convinced Bilbo to leave the one ring behind for Frodo so that mm-hmm. Fro- Frodo could carry it on to Mount Doom to destroy it. Yeah. Or at least keep it secret. And uh, he would always give advice and he was very wise. And, um, <coughs> And so, yeah, so that's, that's how, like, a few basic similarities between them. And then also, Gandalf is uh, mentioned by Tolkien as very Odin-like, and he's kind of like a wanderer like Odin. And um, even kind of like the Balrog and the collapse of the Bridge of Khazad-dûm um, kind of mirror the story of the fire Jotun, Surtur. And if you watch Marvel again, you might know the name Surtur that comes in the uh, Thor Ragnarok in the beginning. Um, And so uh, Surtur is uh, foretold to destroy Asgard's bridge, the Bifrost, at one point. And that's kind of like the bridge of Khazad-dûm being destroyed by the Balrog, who is a fire demon. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of like that. And then also, um, what was the other one? Yeah, and then the uh, the Asgard's Bridge Bifrost is also kind of like um, the uh, the straight road which links Valinor to Middle Earth that the elves can take. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he said, "Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I know. Yeah, definitely, I know." <laughs> and then also a few of the um, the deities from Norse mythology are closely resemble the Valar, kind of like how Thor, who's like the the warrior and the strongest of the gods, um, is kind of like Orome or Tolkis. Um, and then Odin, the all father is kind of like Manwe, who's the, the king of the gods, basically the king of the Valar. Um, and then there's also the Calaquendi, the elves of light, mm-hmm. which are in the, the Silmarillion. They're mentioned like there's the Calaquendi and the Moraquendi. The Calaquendi are the ones that went into Valinor and saw the light of the two trees. And the Moraquendi are those, the elves of the dark that stayed behind and didn't see the light. Yeah. And that's also like Norse mythology where there are light elves and dark elves. So, you know, something a little bit there. Yeah. But um, with Gandalf, uh, like I was saying, he's very similar to Odin, even down to the way they dress almost. So 
uh, take it away. Okay, I got I got a I got a passage to read. This is when uh, Gandalf is first introduced in the Fellowship of the Ring um, in the chapter Long Expected Party. So it says, at the end of the second week of September, a cart came through Bywater from the direction of the Brandywine Bridge in broad daylight. An old man was driving it all alone. He wore a tall blue or a tall pointed blue hat and a long gray coat with a silver scarf. He had a long white beard and bushy eyebrows that stuck out beyond the brim of his hat. And yeah, that's Gandalf. Yeah, so that's Gandalf, and Odin is often described as you know wearing uh, way worn cloaks and stuff that were gray, or he you know I think Gandalf has like what like a blue gray hat or something like that. Yeah, and um, well before he turns into the white, the white, yeah, Gandalf the white, but. I think the only big difference there is Odin usually has an eye patch or just one eye missing because he's the one-eyed god. So yeah. But Gandalf has both eyes. Mm-hmm. Both eyes are still there. Mm-hmm. No, None are missing, so you don't have to worry about it's that. good for him. He yes. can see. He can see. Perfect vision. I mean, Odin can probably see. Yeah. Wait, so when when they describe vision uh, like 2020 or like 1815 or whatever, I don't know exactly the ratio, but is that for one eye and then the other eye? Is that how it works? I think so, but I'm not really sure because I have 2020, so I don't really know. Like, <laughs> I yeah. don't really know what it is. Yeah, because Odin would just have 20. Yeah. Do you technically have 2020 now? I think I'm. I don't think I'm fully 2020. I'm close. For those of you who don't know, I used to wear glasses. I got LASIK eye surgery. Yeah. So and I don't know if I'm 2020. You're probably like 30, 30. You've got like supervision. Yeah. Yeah, X-ray vision. Sixty-nine, sixty-nine, baby. You're just sixty-nine, four twenty. <laughs> one eye's super good. <laughs> the other eye, one eye is really good. Yeah, the, the other, other eye's super, super good. good. Yeah. yeah, they've got like X-ray vision, heat vision. Yes. Dang, dude, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Vision, um, vision. I can see other people. You can, you can <laughs> see what other people yeah. are seeing. Oh, that'd yeah. actually be cool. Vision, vision. Whoa. That's like that's so Raven. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh wait, no, she just sees the future. Yeah, she doesn't she's, see yeah. from other people's point of view. I feel like there was another. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It's basically oh, it's basically like the Palantiri. Oh yeah, you can see what other people are seeing. There's a Tolkien connection right there. Yeah, with LASIK eye surgery. With LASIK, LASIK eye surgery. <laughs> Tolkien invented LASIK eye surgery. That's awesome. Wow. Um. Okay, so I've got a small little uh, connection right here. Uh, inspiration from this is an old English word. It's not necessarily from mythology, but the old English word is uh I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but it's Sigilwara. 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 And it's an old English word that meant basically Ethiopian. But if you break down the word itself, it meant suit black fire demon. Oh, wow. Uh, which is uh, <laughs> kind of a a bit of a racist way yeah. <laughs> to say <laughs> Ethiopian or someone who lives in the sunny lands of Africa. Yeah. A suit black fire demon. So, um, yeah, don't go around saying that. Yeah. Guys. Uh, so Tolkien, was, he was wondering why this was the word that was used to describe Ethiopian. So he was trying to break down the word itself. And, um, so the word, the first part of the word seagull, uh, S I G E L meant sun jewel. And he used that as kind of an inspiration for the Silmarils, which were jewels forged by Feanor, the Noldoran elf, um, with the light of the two trees of Valinor trapped inside. So basically the sun and the moon inside of these jewels. Yes. And so that was a sun jewel, like the seagull. And the last word, uh, Wara was derived from the old English Hiawa. I can't pronounce Hiawara. That's weird. Hiarawa, something Hiarawa. like that, which meant suit black. And he used that for his, uh, 
the Balrogs, which were kind of like the the suit black fire demons, mm-hmm. basically. Um, so that's what he kind of used for Balrog, naming the Balrogs. And then um, the entire meaning of the old word for Ethiopians was used as inspiration for the men of Harad or the Herodrim of the South. So they were the, basically the Herodrim were linked to if Middle Earth like Eriador was like Europe mm-hmm. and the Shire was like England, then Harad would be like Africa. So the Herodrim would be like the Ethiopians. So yeah, then that's basically what it is. So it was just yeah. a quick little that's interesting. Thing. Yeah. And then I've got two more uh, mythologies to pull from. Here, what, let's take an ad break before we go into these. Okay. Yeah. You're See you guys in give, a second. Give me a chance. To, yeah. No. Give, give me a chance break. to decompress. Give me a break, dude. Yeah. Hey everyone, have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. Uh, We're back. Hey guys. Hey guys, uh, thanks for listening to Ad Break. And welcome we- back. And uh, welcome back, folks. We're going to be talking about uh, Greek mythology now, so hold on tight. Saddle up, giddy up, do whatever you need to Hope do. Hope you enjoyed the seventh inning stretch. We're in the end of the game. Who's on first? <laughs> um, is that the, the radio show, Who's on yeah, First? Yeah, 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 yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, if real, you don't, man, if you don't know that, then you don't know early 20th century radio. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm going to talk about, well, not just Greek mythology, but Greco-Roman Greco. mythology. Because they're pretty much, I like this stuff. pretty much hand in hand. I like this uh, stuff. So there's just a few things. Um, first up, this is like the smallest thing that I have. Uh, something about orcs. Mm, pretty small. The Latin word, uh, orkinus, okay. <laughs> which sounds so funny. <laughs> or, well, I'll just pronounce it as orkinus so you don't laugh. <laughs> I'll still laugh. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, the Latin word orcanus uh, uh-huh. refers to the realm of the undead. And as we know from Old English, uh, uh, orcanus was like devil corpses. They were yeah. basically undead beings. That's kind of like orcs. And so that's also probably another word that Tolkien could have used up for orc. Orc penis. Orc penis and like <laughs> undead. Anyways, so uh, another uh, similarity or at least inspiration drawn from Greek mythology and Roman mythology are the uh, pantheons, the gods, oh, yeah. which are very similar to the Valar. Um, so Olmo, the Valar of the water and the ocean, oh, is... Zeus. No, that's... What? Isn't Zeus the... Zeus is like sky. I thought he's the o- or the sea, right? No, Poseidon. Poseidon. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm dumb, guys. Uh, Poseidon and Neptune. Neptune. For the Roman gods. Yes. And then Manwe is like Zeus Zeus and Jupiter. Yes. Um, and then I think Orome, who's like the huntsman of the Valar, would be like Apollo. Apollo. Or would it be Artemis? I don't know. One. I think it's actually both of them. I think Artemis is the Roman one. No, Artemis is Greek. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> um, you're wrong. Um, excuse me? Um, you're done. Anyways, that's oh, and then also um, the Valar live upon uh, like kind of in a world removed from Middle Earth. They live upon a giant mountain called Taniquatil, mm-hmm. or also called uh, Oyalase, which, which means uh, ever snowy or ever white because it's always it's super high up, so it's always mm-hmm. snowy. 
Um, and then also the gods of Greek and Roman mythology. Well, I don't know about Romans, but Greek mythology at least they live on Mount Olympus. Olympus. So yeah, yes. So that's kind of a that's big a real pl- right or that's yeah. a real mountain. It is, is a real it? mountain. Yes, they don't actually live there though, guys. Yeah, don't worry, they're not real. Wait, I don't know. Sorry, if you're <laughs> if you're an know. ancient Greece person listening, uh, believe what you want, dude. I don't know, man. The gods are out there, dude. If you're somehow listening to this, that's insane. But shout <laughs> out, shout out to Homer if you're listening to this. Shout out to Plato. Yeah. Who I'm going to talk about next. Oh, really? Yeah. So shout out to Plato if you're listening to nice, this, dude, dude. I got you right here. Shout out to Plato. Have you written Atlantis yet? What? I'm talking to Plato right now. He have you written Atlantis yet? I don't know. Written? If he had. I don't. Did he write Atlantis? He wrote the story of Atlantis. Plato. Oh, did, he yeah. did. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know that. Um. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so blew Pla- my mind. So Plato's story of Atlantis mirrors the downfall of Numenor. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, both stories feature an island nation of advanced people with advanced technology. Yes. And that's it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and both become ever more prideful the more powerful they become. And both islands sink underneath the waves forever because of this. Um, and also the Quenya name for Numenor, uh, which is Atalante very closely resembles the name Atlantis. And that is kind of, uh, Tolkien, I think mentioned the fact that, and I think in one of his letters, let me find what letter it is. I hope it's the letter J. I hope it's not. That'd be cool. Uh, no, no J. <laughs> Gosh. Where did it go? Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, Yeah. Oh, it doesn't say what letter it is. <laughs> Dang. Okay. <laughs> um, it basically, in one of his letters, Tolkien describes the fact that Atalante and Atlantis being similar, he describes this merely as a curious chance. I, I feel like every time he, every time somebody's like, these two correlate, he's like, oh, I didn't know that. Maybe. Oh, oh, that's so weird. That's weird. I didn't know that. <laughs> but that's in, what Tolkien sounded like. In his head, he was like, <laughs> they've caught up. They've caught on. Time to scrap the evidence. Yeah. It burns all of Burn his books. <laughs> yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah. I would totally resent him for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's it for Greek mythology, Roman mythology. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to move on to Finnish mythology. Finish. Saving the best for the last. Saving the, saving the finish for the finish. Finish for the last. Um, so the whole Elvish language or High Elvish, Quenya. Hey. <laughs> what? You said hi, Elvish. Oh. I said hey. I was role playing as that an was Elvish. so stupid. Person. <laughs> oh, at work, every time I say hi to one this one guy, I go hi. Well, I don't know. I don't know why. I go. I go hi, and he goes not today. <laughs> like he's not hi today. Oh, yeah. That's that funny guy. Funny guy. Funny guy. Funny guy. Um. So, anyways, the Quenya language, the Elvish language, Quenya. Mm-hmm. Uh is uh, influenced heavily by the Finnish language. Mm-hmm. There are examples, but... But we're not giving them. I didn't feel like looking <laughs> them up. I do have I do have a book. Grant doesn't want you to know. I didn't bring the book with me, so I can't look it up, but I do have a book at home that kind of... Uh, I think it has, like, a few examples of, like, Finnish words and yeah. Quenya words that are, like, really close. But I'm not... You can, you can look at it later if you want. Not, not my book. No, oh. I'm talking to... <laughs> you guys can look it up. I thought you were just inviting me to look at the book. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me explain it to you. Get off this podcast. Learn for yourself, dude. Learn for yourself. We're not here to teach you anything. We're... Yeah. Uh, no, we are. Sorry. 
I don't Sorry know. Sorry if you'd like Anyways, um, so a big part of the Finnish mythology that I want to talk about, though, is the um, the national legend of the Kalevala. I Kalevala. hope I'm pronouncing that right. Kalevala. Kalevala. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, what is what is a Finnish accent? I don't know. Have you ever heard one before? I don't or think have so. You, have you ever heard a Finnish speaker speak English? I don't know. I don't know. Kalevala. I'll, I don't know. <laughs> That's... That could be very bad. Um, <laughs> it probably is. So a big, uh, a big part of the Kalevala was um, the tale of Kalervo, and uh, I mean I don't really have much written about it because I was just going to talk about the connections. <laughs> then do it, man. <laughs> but, do it. Um, uh, he credited the story of Kalervo, Tolkien did, as kind of the inspiration or what he said was the germ that uh, kind of planted the seed for him to write his own legends. Like he read it and he was like. I kind of want to do that. Oh, this is kind of germy. Yeah. <laughs> this so is he, gross. He read it very early on. Yes. Um, probably when he was uh, uh, like a teenager Susceptible to germs. He, did, he didn't have the immune system he had when he was older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so with Kalervo, who is a character in the story of the Kalevala, uh, there are many connections that can be made to Turin, Turambar. There's a lot of connections made to Turin so far. Yeah. Have you noticed that? I have. Good. Yes. Good. Um, both heroes... Uh, Clairvaux and Turin uh, accidentally commit incest with their sister. Dang. Um, <laughs> and both sisters jump into rushing water and kill themselves upon finding out the truth. Oh, no. And both heroes tragically end up killing themselves with their swords, asking the sword if they would slay them before doing the deed. Mm. So <laughs> Before doing the deed. <laughs> the deed with the sword. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Although they did do the deed with their oh, sisters. Oh, yeah, we don't yeah. need to dwell on that, though. Naughty, naughty. No, no. <laughs> but in like an actual bad way. Don't yeah. do that. Naughty, naughty like Very bad. Naughty. Bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> bad dog. Anyways. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I was going with that one. Anyways, um, in the uh, in other parts of the story of the Kalevala, um, there's a, a magical object called the Sampo. Sampo. <laughs> Sampo. Um, and it, it, uh, it just has magical properties. I don't know exactly. It didn't really describe what it did too much or at least the website i was on so i don't really i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry everyone i apologize it's okay but the sam the sampo 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 just sounds funny sampo yeah, yeah. Sorry, i don't know it sounds like you're trying to say sample sample sampo so the sampo is a magical artifact that both uh like both sides evil and good they fight over it and eventually it's lost to the world and no one can find it kind of like the one ring how both evil is looking for it sauron and mm -hmm. good is trying to look for it so they can destroy it and eventually it is destroyed and lost forever to the world um and the main character in most of the works of the the kalevala is vinamoinen which i was looking up how to pronounce that earlier because it's a lot oh, i was literally just gonna say i've heard that before yeah. it's because you were pronouncing it earlier yeah because there's like a lot of weird accent marks on it yeah and it's a weird way to spell a word but it's Vinamoinen, and he's a character who's very similar to Gandalf, in the sense that they're like older characters with beards, and they um, they're very wise and give a lot of advice, and they're magical in some sense, like Santa. Yeah, and both have. <laughs> <laughs> I just said yeah. I just agreed with you. I don't know. Yeah, true. Yeah, basically. No, true. true. It's just like Santa. True, Dat, my boy, yes. Jay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So both have immortal origins. You know, Gandalf was a Maiar, and. Well, uh, Vinamoinen was a demigod. I don't remember what god he was the son of, but yeah. Um, and at the end of their stories, both leave behind mortal lands 
um, in a ship to the Immortal Lands. Mm. Gandalf leaves from the Grey Havens with Círdan and Galadriel and Frodo and Elrond, all those people. Yeah. And Feynman and just leaves in a ship. I don't really know yes. much about this story, so <laughs> um, yeah, that's okay. But also, Vinamoinen, uh, he sang a lot of songs, and they had like magical properties to them, so that they were almost like his spells. As he would sing a song, and there it was like a spell. So a lot of people were like, "Yeah, he's a lot like Gandalf, but he's also like Tom Bombadil." Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom, Tom Bombadil. Bill. Yeah, or I wrote. I wrote down. He has magical sing songs. <laughs> Or like Tom Bombaldi. Yeah, I think his it's a, the pink tab. His, yeah, his yeah. Italian counterpart. You want me Tom to read Bombaldi. this? Tom Bombaldi. Yeah, sure, go. Let me set the scene oh. again. Okay. The four hobbits are um, making their way through the woods. So uh, Mary is stuck in a tree. Dang. And he's not climbing the tree. He's <laughs> way, to, way to start the story. Mary is, Mary is stuck in a tree. Mary is in the tree. Yeah, he's whoa. not climbing the tree because this tree moves around. <laughs> I was going to say balls no. deep in the tree. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> yeah. I mean he's body deep too. Body deep in that tree. And um so Frodo and Bilbo and Pippin are trying to Bilbo? get him. Or so Frodo, Sam and Pippin are trying oh. to get him out. Okay. And then uh so the so uh this is where it picks up. So suddenly <laughs> he stopped. There was an answer or so he thought, but it seemed to come from behind him, away down the path further back into the forest. He turned round and listened, and <clears throat> sorry, dude. And soon there could be no doubt. Someone was singing a song. A deep, glad voice was singing carelessly, and happily, but it was singing nonsense. Hey, dole, merry dole, ring a dong, dillo, ring a dong, hop along, la la willow, tom bomb, jolly tom, tom bombadillo. Yeah. So I'm gonna skip over because he has another. He does a. He does this whole dancing number. Um, which is going to take too long. Right, right, right. So it says, Frodo and Sam stood as if enchanted. The wind puffed out. The leaves hung silently um, again on stiff branches. There was another burst of song, and suddenly, hopping and dancing along a path, there appeared above the reeds an old battered hat with a tall crown and a long blue feather stuck in the band. With another hop and bound, there came into view a man, or so it seemed. At any rate, he was too large and heavy for a hobbit, if not quite tall enough for one of the big people. Though he made noise enough for one stumping along with great yellow boots on his thick legs and charging through the grass in rush grass and rushes like a cow going to down to drink he had a blue coat with a long brown beard his eyes were blue and bright his face was red as a ripe apple but he crashed into a hundred wrinkles of laughter but creased into a hundred wrinkles of laughter (laughs) in his hands he carried a large leaf as on a tray a small pile of white water lilies tom bombadillo yep so um, like Vinamoinen, Tom Bombadillo, <laughs> Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombaldi, Tom Bombaldi, man. Uh, he sings songs as if they were spells, or he sings them for fun too. But like mm-hmm. he sings songs as if they were spells, and he uses them. Like he uses them against Old Man Willow to free uh Merry and Pippin, um, and then uh, and Frodo as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he also sings songs to. Uh, make the rain go away. He sings songs to scare the barrel whites away and revive Frodo and Sam and Marion Pippin. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's. I think honestly, Vinamoinen resembles Tom Bombadil more because Tom Bombadil is also wise and he also has an immortal nature as well. Mm-hmm. Although he doesn't leave the mortal lands to the immortal lands, he stays Middle Earth. He stays in Middle Earth, as far as we know. So. 
Um, but I think, I mean, you could you could argue both ways. But I think Tom Bombadil's, I think he resembles Mole. But you could also say Tolkien just used Vinamoinen for both. So yeah, <laughs> Gandalf and Tom Bombadil. I mean, Tolkien does what Tolkien wants. That's right. So that's all I have for. Um, well, I had Finnish mythology, I had Greek mythology, I had uh, Norse mythology and Germanic mythology, and I do have more, but it's going to be a really long episode yes. if I do any more. And I have, it's mostly just Celtic mythology, mm-hmm. so I can do a little bit on that, Celtic and Welsh mythology, um, but it's kind of a lot, so I don't want to do it right now. But we can do that the next episode. We'll split it into so two. Look forward to it. Yeah, look forward. Uh, Especially if you're driving. But yeah, so that's the end of the main section today, uh, all about the mythological inspirations that Tolkien took for his legendarium, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, so, you want to move on to the? I think next. we're gonna we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to move on to everybody's favorite section. I don't know if it is, but I'm saying it is. Middle Earth current events. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Current Events of Middle-Earth. These are current events on our Earth pertaining to Middle-Earth itself. So this is uh, this is it. This is what we're doing right now. Jay is going to talk about it all day today because I just talked my butt off about mythology and yes. all that sort of stuff. So, Jay, why don't you take it away, please? Hello, everyone. I'm here to take it away. Um, I got two I got two things. Two things, man. Two they th- better be two good things. Two good things. After all I talked about last week, yeah. uh, last Two weeks ago. Last episode. Last episode. Okay. First one. Article on the one ring.net by an author with a moniker Tukish. We don't know the real name. Tukish. They're a mystery. Maybe we do. I don't know the lore of one ring.net and who's on it. But this one is by Tukish. <laughs> He's given credit. It's titled, giving credit where credit is due. Yeah. Thank you, Tukish. It's gi- it's it's giving. <laughs> it's called <laughs> It's giving Tukish. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Lost Tolkien Manuscript Found. All caps. Concerning the Horde. So, um, I'm just going to read from it verbatim. Concerning the what? Yeah, Horde. The Horde? No, the Horde. I'm just going to read from it verbatim because it's a short uh, article. Yeah, you do that, dude. So, it says, the discovery. It is the discovery of the lifetime. A handwritten manuscript by J.R.R. Tolkien, penned and signed in 1964, has surfaced. This nine-page text, with which Christopher Tolkien painstakingly recreated from memory, tells a mostly familiar story for the readers of the Silmarillion Silmarillion in chapter 22. Yet as the original manuscript for this part of the story, it contains new treasures to delight the serious Tolkien reader. So what they're saying there is there's a new manuscript that um, it was an original manuscript of chapter 22 that um, Christopher Tolkien like thought he tried or he recreated it from memory. So this is the original, what Tolkien wrote, and not what Christopher Tolkien came gotcha. up from memory. So it's not like exactly the same as what Christopher Tolkien put down. Yeah, gotcha. it's a original manuscript that uh, J.R.O. Tolkien. Yeah. yeah, the man himself. Yeah. So then it says the manuscript includes a rare genealogy chart titled "The Kingship of the Half Elven," a signed letter to Mrs. Eileen Elgar in a transmission of the manuscript and cons- and concerning the horde, the manuscript itself. So um, it's nine pages. I'll put a link to the article and I'll put a link because it's up for auction. I'll put a link to that because um, you there's high quality images you can look at and read through. I mean, Tolkien's handwriting is kind of hard to read, but the genealogy of the elves is super interesting. Um, 
And I mean, if you have, I think the starting bid is fifteen thousand dollars. If you have fifteen thousand dollars, you can bid on it. Um, and if you do win it, and you want to send it to us, we'd gladly do that. Um, so yeah, so um, that's my first thing, which is super exciting because it's always exciting to find new Tolkien things, um, original Tolkien things. Um, the next thing, this this is just gonna be short. Middle Earth current events. Just a little short. One. The next thing was. Uh, a few days ago, there was a short teaser trailer that dropped um, for the Rings of Power. Um, and it's leading up to a full-length trailer that will drop on the 14th. Today's the 11th, July 11th. Um, so this Thursday, the full-length trailer will drop. So By the time this episode releases. Yeah, by the time this episode Thursday. Yeah, by the time this episode releases, uh, you will might have seen it. Or you can watch it after we talk or pause it right now and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I'm going to talk about the short teaser trailer that dropped. Um, so we see uh, multiple characters in it. But so it starts with uh, Sadok Burroughs, which is one of the Hobbit, uh, Harfoot type thing people. Um, and he says the skies are strange. And then we see the meteor man or just we see a meteor, but it's probably the meteor man flying through the sky. while it cuts to different characters watching it go by. And the characters we see are Galadriel, Elrond, the High King Gilgalad, Celebrimbor, Tarmiriel, the Harfoots, Nori, and Sadok Burrows. Um, and then the couple Arendir and Borowin, and the Dwarven Prince Durin the Fourth. Um, and we also see something super duper uber exciting. Ents. And possibly Entwives. Yeah, there's like there's like two larger Ents and then like a smaller one. Yeah, so maybe yeah. Entlings too. Because in the... Little baby, little Ent. Little yeah, tiny, little in the, I think the last Middle Earth current events, we talked about that teaser trailer of that kid finding the yeah. Lord of the Rings book. And he sees an Ent outside of... It was just classic. his imagination, though. Yeah, so yeah. we were like, oh, does this mean there's Ents in the show? And now this confirms it. Boom, confirmed. And I'm super excited yeah. for the Ents. Myth busted. Yeah. So um, I'm s- this trailer makes me excited. I'm kind of going into. Did you pee your pants a little bit? No. Oh, I did. Oh, you did. Yeah, I went ooh from excitement. I, I think peed. you peed it enough for both of us. Yeah, I probably did. I yeah. s- <laughs> I soaked my pants. <laughs> yeah. Gross. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no, I'm excited about it because you know I'm coming to it with a different perspective. I'm I'm just trying to get excited about the show because you know. Same here. I'm just grateful. Same that here, dude. Grateful that they're making Tolkien stuff. And yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, and uh, it's like, I mean, you just I think you just have to go into it not expecting it to be exactly to the lore. Yeah. And I know some people aren't happy with that, but, you know, you could be dead. So I think if you go in it, like, looking at it like that, like, you're not expecting it to be 100% correct, then you'll probably be surprised with how much is actually correct. Yeah. So. If you go in it thinking it's going to be bad, then it's going to be bad. If you yeah. want to think it's gonna be good, it's gonna be good, and Just I don't go know. in it thinking neutrally. Yeah, <laughs> and it will be both good and bad. Yes, I don't. Yeah. I don't know I why don't know. anybody would go into this watching wanting it to be bad. Yeah, unless they just want to pick it apart. Yeah, but if you like Tolkien, watch. Go into this and think this could be good. Yeah, this could be good. I definitely have started to. Ch- well, okay, I'm not 100 percent change my mind on it. I still think there are parts yeah. that should not be in there at all. Yeah. But but we'll have to wait yeah. for the whole thing to come out. We'll have to see. But I mean, I'm excited. Now it's um it's less than two months away. Yeah. So I'm excited. So I'm excited for real. Um, 
Yeah, and there's a good Nerd of the Rings video Grant sent it to me where he oh, yeah. he goes over this trailer. Yeah. Um, and in that one thing that's super interesting is there's a shot in the trailer of a, all these elves standing on a boat and there's like a flock of birds flying around yeah. them and they're watching yeah. the birds. And um, Nerd of the Rings pointed out his name's Matt, right? Yeah, Matt. Yeah, Matt pointed out that um, in that scene or in that shot, all the elves are wearing the same outfits that Galadriel's wearing in the shipwreck scene from the first live action trailer yeah. where her hair gets pulled back and they see ears. Remember yeah. when everybody was so upset about that? Yeah, that's kind of yeah. weird though. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was upset just because I was that's what everybody else was following the sheep. Yeah, following, I was a sheep, dude. You shouldn't follow the sheep. You should be the shepherd. You should be manipulating everyone. Yeah. yeah. Instead of <laughs> instead of being manipulated. Yeah. That's the moral. That of is that. our <laughs> advice for you guys today. Yeah. Don't don't be a sheep and follow everyone else's lead on what to think about uh, rings of power. Manipulate other people into well, believing what yeah. you think. Well, we can't Gaslight have, them. we can't have everybody be Gatekeep. shepherds because you be need, an evil person. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, everybody can't be shepherds because you need sheep to be a shepherd. So we, don't tell everybody this. Just just our listeners can be shepherds. Yeah. Don't tell everybody. That will be. If you are an actual <laughs> diehard fan of our podcast, all the diehard fans of this podcast, you guys are going to be called shepherds. Shepherds, kind of like shepherds of the trees. Ents. Yeah, you guys will be called shepherds. So that's just something a little interesting connection. Um, nothing really big happens is in this trailer, other than the meteors just flying. Everybody's like, "Whoa, dang, look at that!" Oh, and he also mapped out the trajectory of the meteor as well, too, mm-hmm. didn't he? Yeah, that was I think cool. I think it goes that way. <laughs> yeah, it goes. It goes from one side of the sky to the other. You guys, you guys can't see where our <laughs> hands are going, but it's going that it's way. It's going. Imagine from the left to the right. Imagine a world where John Lennon didn't exist. Okay, it would be a good world. Good Sorry. world. Well, hey. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Oh no, man. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'd only have half of the Beatles songs. Probably the worst songs would be non-existent. So. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm I don't just, know. I'm just making fun of it. <laughs> I don't know enough about the Beatles to know which ones John Lennon wrote and which ones. I don't know Paul enough wrote. about the Beatles to know who John Lennon is. I'm just oh. kidding. I know. I can tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Grant doesn't know who the Beatles are. <laughs> who? Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>